Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, pretty good. Looking forward to playing some poke this weekend. Yeah, man. You missed out big time last weekend. I just didn't. I didn't have a ride. And, you know, <laughs> it, it was nice, though, to spend some time at home with uh, the wife and kid. Yeah, that's basically what I we're trading off roles there, I guess. Like I, I'm staying, uh, staying home, hanging out with my girlfriend. You're going. Well, to she's tournament. got a she's got a big birthday coming up. Oh, big birthday! It's it's a birthday. <laughs> what is she like? Twenty seven or something? She's twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. Last, not the, last not the birthday yeah. in her twenties. I know. Yeah, it's the penultimate season. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> you guys, you guys doing anything big? You taking her out, or you guys? Um, I don't think we'll do anything or... crazy, like too, too crazy this weekend. Her sister's in town visiting, um, okay. so it's more about like all of us hanging out and having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll do like more elaborate stuff after that. Oh, well, you don't have to tell me <laughs> if it's too intimate. <laughs> so it's nothing, nothing crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you um, guys gonna go to Dave and Buster's? maybe maybe okay. i think that'd be a good use of time uh, dude i love a good dave and buster's day bro <laughs> i you see at dave and buster's i was always just really addicted to like the wheel games mm. you know where you stop mm. the, the light on a particular yeah. Yeah. entry i always thought those were the easiest to win the most tickets off but they're not particularly fun games <laughs> so you're kind of you're kind of the ticket optimizer <laughs> yeah i see yeah right. Anne really liked the halo shoot them up game. oh really yeah i know she's she's kind of violent in that way you wouldn't think it but <laughs> no. she loves shooting those aliens that's fair yeah i always really liked uh the star wars pod racing game oh you know yeah. where you're like in the pod racer <laughs> that's cool that is cool it's a fun game it's a fun game it's the kind of game that i would never play if i like owned it you know mm, it would never come right. out of the box but if it was in like an arcade and you get to sit in the pod that's different it just hits yeah it hits speaking of which i also just yesterday i modded my 3ds which has been awesome so <laughs> now i have like a that's funny a wallpaper deal. and can store my game boy games on it which is awesome so. that's really cool yeah. Did you do that by yourself, or did you send it in? No, it was super easy, actually. It was just, like, a, a website, and you follow the instructions. You just – it's there's no, like, software or anything that you have to – There's software, but it takes, like, okay. I don't know, 30 minutes. Sweet. It's, like, really easy, actually. Nice. <laughs> you know, you, you see you the Twitter You wonder why meme. you didn't do it earlier. Well, you see the Twitter memes about how it's, like, surprisingly easy, and you're like, okay, like – whatever <laughs> and then it like really is actually surprisingly easy so. yeah that's fine <laughs> so that's been cool um yeah things are, are going well overall i would say can't complain well except for your tournament in charlotte but we'll get to that there's a lot of stuff on the docket for today and i think one of the most interesting things is our next topic today we're going to be talking about league cups returning yeah riley's experience in charlotte get our card of the day in there then the upcoming fort wayne tournament which riley you're taking off i will be going to and finally the drama 
involving the Pokemon community and Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> Not a sentence you'd really expect to say in 2023. But... If that doesn't hook you, I don't know what will. So, first up, one of the most exciting things to happen to me today was Pokemon announcing the local scene is coming back. That's right. League yes. Cups and League Challenges are back on the docket for the last quarter of the 2022-2023 season. Riley, first take on this announcement from Pokemon. Yeah, honestly, when I first saw the announcement, I was a little bit anxious. I was initially worried that they just wouldn't put any forethought into it. It would be a best finish limit of eight. It would be a complete bloodbath out there. You'd have everybody trying to grind an entire invite off their league cups. Two cups every single weekend. All of them with 100 players. Um, instead, they went for a much more conservative estimate of two, a best finish limit of two for the season, uh, which I think is like a great middle ground since they're not going to be present until um, mid-April. So it's a mm -hmm. great way to reintroduce cups, have a sort of local scene, give a little stimulus package to people who maybe need a little bit extra to close out their invite without being a complete like insane bloodbath type situation. So I, I honestly am pretty happy with how they executed on it. The communication was clearly like not all the way there <laughs> because the mats yeah. were coming out and nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> I, you could even listen to like last episode when I was saying like, it must be a mistake, <laughs> but lo and behold, it's a real thing. So uh, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's actually a good thing. You know, I was a little anti cup last yeah. week, but I think on the whole, like I'm in favor of local events and I think they kind of hit, the right amount uh, of cup involvement for this season. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, we're nearing, yeah, what, four months to world. So I, I do agree with that kind of one quarter's worth of cups and challenges. I, I think it'll be a good, like you said, middle ground where the players that are going to get their points are going to get it early, hopefully me, and then just won't go to another cup and leave it open for the other players, right? As opposed to right. trying to, like you said, grind out eight best finishes. Um, should be a little more staggered. And, right. Uh, that's and a like, good thing. I fully expect the the best finish limit to go back to normal after this, like to a six to eight type of thing. Right, right. Um, but I think this is the right move for, you know, where we are at this point in the season. So. Couldn't agree more. I'm really excited. I think this is, uh, of, of all the people that this helps, I am probably near the top of the list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sitting like at about, yeah, sitting at about like 50% of the way, but you know, I have a couple more regionals. I have the internats, and then hopefully I can get a couple finishes at Cups and just kind of round it out. You know, make it, it obviously makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, and obviously, like, I'm feeling pretty good about closing my invite with or without locals but the presence of cups make it makes it basically impossible for me to not get it at this point uh, unless something really goes tragically wrong so um it's a nice uh weight off my shoulders i guess mm, like mm -hmm. i could flub all these regionals and still probably get my invite yeah right. <laughs> you know? so right. um that's nice especially now that i'm missing far away yes right well it's for a good cause no it's the I fully stand by my decision. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't know. I don't know. 
We'll see. <laughs> Don't be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you had like some spice or something. It would be uh, yeah, seriously. No, there's nothing here. Spice is all dried up. We'll talk about what I'm thinking about playing. <laughs> nothing in the cabinet. The, in the second half of the cast. But you did go to a tournament, Riley. Charlotte, last week. Yeah. Went, went pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, I could have kept playing out to go for points. That just really hasn't been my MO mm-hmm. this season. I haven't really been doing that at all. So, uh, yeah, I popped over to Charlotte. Charlotte's a, a great city. Um, my the family queen lives. City. It is the Queen City. Uh, argue... Cincinnati also claims that title, but. <laughs> Who's had more queens? Hard to say. Um, but. Yeah, I popped over to Charlotte. It's, again, it's a super nice area. It's really warm, which is a great contrast to Wisconsin right now. It snowed yeah. over the weekend, and it was, like, sunny and beautiful the entire time in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, so I was really excited. Got a lot of good food. Um, the tournament itself was kind of eh for me. I, we played Mew. I was actually pretty hard on, like, a Lugia train. But, you know, talking with Jesse in the room... And then texting Andrew back home, it seemed like we were circling the drain on, you know, Mew Aerodactyl as a play. And I'm a pretty firm believer in, like, just playing the deck that collectively we think is the best. And as a consequence of that, your results will aggregate around um, right. the where you, you know, how well of a decision that you made, so to speak. So right. um, as a believer in that, I, I went with Mew because that was sort of the group thought. And... I ended up kind of regretting the decision. I wish I stuck by Lugia a little bit harder. Um, obviously, Lugia didn't make a ton of top eight showings in Charlotte, but it, it had a ton of top 16s. And I think part of the reason it didn't get a ton of top eights as well is like all the Lugias were on a win and in against each other. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, so it's like a lot of Lugias were in the in the conversation, right? It's just they all ended up like top 16 because they lost the win and in or something like that. Um, so I think like respectable stuff still out of Lugia coming out of this event, even if it didn't win the whole tournament. Um, Mew on the other hand felt a little mid as a call. I, I got a no show round one, which is kind of cool. Um, and that was just followed up by like an immediate loss to a sky seal stone Drapion deck with, you mm-hmm. know, lost zone box type of think of what Azul played in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a Lugia that had a Drapion in it, which is such a tough matchup. Um, I played another Lugia where I just went second and didn't really draw super well, and I lost that. And so then I was at I was four three at that point, and mm-hmm. you know I wasn't really feeling like playing those last two rounds to try and squeak out what was effectively like a not super relevant amount of points for me. So I, I just dropped and and hung out the rest of the day, which I had a lot of fun because I was in Charlotte, which is a great city. So um the tournament just felt out of you felt kind of mid all the decks felt kind of mid which is maybe the problem <laughs> like nothing was really screaming at me for this tournament mm-hmm. um but you know it is what it is i will say the the tone for the tournament was set for me actually the day before on friday so i arrived like relatively early on friday um and me michael zealy and jesse decided that we wanted to do the get em at tournament oh yeah so they had the the mew playmats as a get mat which was pretty cool honestly I, I i'm not knocking that um so they open up the venue at like 2 p.m or something like that mm-hmm. we all stream in um 
we all like beeline towards the side event tickets so we can get a couple and just do the the get them at and and peace out and go check into our hotel and stuff after that but i for whatever there's like two lines for the side event tickets they're all mm-hmm. at one desk mm-hmm. um jesse and zeely get in one of the lines i get in the other line because they were kind of like equivalently spaced um and my line just completely like hard stops like no movement at all i'm like looking around like past the people in front of me and i guess the ipad or whatever is broken and what frustrated me more than anything was just instead of like zippering or merging the lines and like continuing the throughput, they just completely stopped my line and let the other one wait for like 20 minutes. I'm just standing there as they're like troubleshooting this stupid iPad. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. (laughs) Like this is the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Just let me go. Uh, And I was like two people away from the front of the line. It was so crazy. Sure. Um, and that just like I think that just set the tone for my whole weekend. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, I can't even get through the side of a ticket line. Right. You know? Yeah. How am I yep. supposed to get through day one if I can't get through the side of a ticket <laughs> line? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, if any tos are listening to this, if you have technical difficulties, zipper the dang lines. <laughs> zipper the dang lines. So true. Like, what are they doing, man? <laughs> People who arrived 15 minutes after me were getting done before me. <laughs> so insane. They needed your organizational skills. They did. But I did get the playmat. And the playmat is, admittedly, it's a very nice playmat. So, um, is it is it expensive? I think it is because it, was, it wasn't actually a regionals playmat in North America ever. Oh. It's the Fusion Strike Muart playmat. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Also, are you going to keep on to it or are you going to sell it? um yeah i'll either keep it or bring it to japan and sell it Mm, nice okay that's where the playmat market is smart move Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so it is really nice though it's like a really nice color combination with the the dark purples of the city versus muse pink it it's top notch cool stuff good stuff (laughs) glad you got it yeah so overall like a weekend was a lot of fun um, but it just wasn't like a great Pokemon event for me. So, you know, sure. you gotta, you gotta take the L's with the W's, I guess, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's not your day. I mean, Riley, you've, to be fair, you've cleaned up at most every other tournament. I've had a really attended, successful, so. like season and a half, like post COVID yeah. I've had a really yeah. good run of it. And every so often it's just not your day. And that's like totally fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I'm not like really super beat up about it or anything. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. also, I got to try the Bojangles hard sweet tea, um, which is Yo. cool. It was yummy. Well, I love a good gimmick product, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love those things. Like yeah, the the ultimate. Like when the Pringles did the the Wendy's chicken sandwich. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was all sure. I was so into that. It was. <laughs> Wow. So it's kind of a similar. You could probably eat them together, honestly. It'd be a great yeah, combo. totally. It'd be a totally. good combo. The wow, sweet tea that would the be, chicken. That'd pringle. be too much power. <laughs> so, yeah, all things considered, it was a good experience. 
I will say, I did not expect going into the weekend that Eternatus would be sitting <laughs> at the top of the bracket. That is pretty crazy, and we'll talk about that after, I think, our card of the day. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and step into it? So, JW, for this week's card of the day, I want to shout out one of my prized cards, one of my most treasured cards. Uh, so, JW, this is the only card that I like actively own and display that is a PSA 10. Okay. Do you know what card that is? Mm. This is some like Riley lore. <laughs> um, is it a, it's not a Pichu I can't give any hints besides the fact that it's my uh, PSA 10 okay I mean I'll say it's a Pichu not quite but not quite okay it's a Pikachu no <laughs> you're actually further from correct if you, ooh if you can it's a it. different baby hmm it's a, it's a Mime Junior. I would say Mime Junior is farther than <laughs> Pikachu, actually. <laughs> so, so I'll just give it to you. It's okay. <laughs> you tried your artist. Wait, an Elekid. <laughs> no. Why no. would I? Why would I have a PSA ten? Well, I don't know. I'm. That's why I'm <laughs> trying to figure it out. He just goes crazy with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my PSA ten card that I own. Uh, and display is actually Pichu Bros. So it's not a Pichu, it's Pichu. Oh, you got, okay, well, you got <laughs> me, I guess. Yep. Yeah, so part of the reason I'm sharing the Pichu Bros is um, the card artist at Charlotte who is doing signings is um, is the same artist who did Pichu Bros. Uh, Michael Zeely actually brought an extra copy of Pichu Bros to the event in case we were able to get into the signing. We signed up on Friday, though, and we were, like, spot 300. <laughs> so mm, I guess yeah. they opened it up on Thursday for I people see. to sign up. Yep. So wasn't able to get the card signed. But Peach Bros is a really fun card. I love the Pokemon cards that are kind of, like, anime tie-in sort of cards. You know, yeah, you have, totally. like, the you have the Ash SP cards and stuff like that. Um, Peach Bros is, is just cool. I don't know. They've got the little balloons. They're having a good time. And... Uh, some deep cut Riley lore is way back on the Nintendo forums when I was a fifth grader. Um, my username was Pichu Bro Four because I love the Pichu Bro so much. Very cool. And Pichu Bro Three was taken. <laughs> <laughs> what What about Pichu Bros Two? I had to ask. Well, was it taken. Well, there's already two Pichu Bros. Yeah. What What about Pichu Bros Two? But why would I be the Pichu Bros too? Because they're the two bros, you know. What about okay? Well, I'm just so asking. like I'm adding myself to the mix. You know? Oh, so who is the who is the fourth then? If you were the third. Well, I was the fourth. I don't know who the third was. <laughs> I guess you could have three brothers, but there are only two pick, depicted in the card, right? Yeah, yeah. Who know? They could be infinite number of brothers, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just take take them to the breeding center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they're in the daycare for long enough, <laughs> like, <laughs> people have plenty of brothers. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a deep cut Riley lore. My nice. original username was Peachy Bro. Love that. <laughs> so, let's jump in then to thanking our sponsor for this week's episode, and of course, you already know that. 
tag team is presented to you by Manscaped. And let me tell you, JW, with all the traveling I'm about to be doing over the next few weeks, going to San Diego and London, uh, having a portable set of grooming products is really important to me. This isn't cap. (laughs) It's 100% real. So having the Beard Hedger, the Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Weed Whacker 2.0, and of course, Classic Lawnmower are ways that I can help myself feel fresh and clean when I'm on the go. They have great carrying cases. They're really effective. Uh, These are honestly like some of my favorite products in my restroom right now. And the great news is for those of you out there who are listening, Manscaped is partnered with us here at Tag Team. So JV, why don't you talk them through what we can do for you? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the Weed Whacker is my favorite product. And while you're speaking of traveling, I mean, it, the coolest thing about that for, for me is that it has a USB-C charging cable. So even if you leave your charging cable at home or alternatively, if you leave your charging cable for your phone at home and you're a <laughs> USB-C user and you have your weed whacker, then you just get free charging. You know, it, it's amazing. That's true. So, so, you know, all the all the Apple lovers are in shambles. But you can get yourself 20% off plus free shipping on any Manscaped product. When you go to manscaped.com and use the code tag team at checkout, you get 20% off plus free shipping. I mean, who wants to pay for shipping these days? Get yourself something nice. Get somebody you love something nice. Manscaped.com, code tag team at checkout, 20% off plus free shipping. Make those balls into master balls with Manscaped. All right, JW. Fort Wayne's coming up this weekend. Another round, <laughs> another bout in the crown zenith format. <laughs> so many people have been asking for this, and Pokemon finally delivered by giving us another tournament in crown zenith. So walk me through where your head is at on Wednesday as we approach the weekend. Well, when I was watching the Charlotte stream and I saw the final results, I it brought flashbacks to Arlington where I played Lugia <laughs> and I got smoked by a couple of wheezing decks and to see two wheezing decks in top eight, I just shuddered at the thought of playing <laughs> Lugia because heading into Charlotte, I probably would have tried to play Lugia. You know, I would have played Lugia. I would have, uh, you know, lobbied the group to play Lugia. Like Why Lugia did you come, been. man? I, know, <laughs> I needed I know. that. <laughs> I, you needed the, you needed the second person. I, I get it. I get it. man. <laughs> I get it. So um, that's what I was thinking about. And then and then I saw that there were two Eternatus Weezing decks in top eight, and it just makes your head spin a little bit. We saw a few tournaments ago Weezing Eternatus make it to the finals, and many players just kind of wrote it off. To see two in top eight, that's just a, a scary thought. So I'm thinking, well, what if I played Eternatus Weezing? <laughs> like, I really like wheezing in my GLC deck. So what if I just ran back the exact 60 that won, just be a complete net decker? <laughs> There's and, no shame in it. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, if Aiden Coos could win with Eternatus, surely I could, you know, win, potentially. Many people are saying this. <laughs> so that's where I was at the start of the week. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, well... There were a few other decks in top eight. 
What if I? <laughs> so true, man. <laughs> so true. There, there were seven other people in top eight. Can you believe that? <laughs> and one of them played Regigigas. Yeah, like, wow. he did. Huh. You know, that got me thinking. That got me putting my my two fingers to my chin. <laughs> Uh, rubbing back and forth thinking oh yeah well what if i played reggie because reggie has some nice matchups right now you um have manageable like a good matchup into lost box um lugia is okay and and pretty good if they don't know what they're doing in that matchup and they over bench or you know don't play both man yeah, if and they don't sparse, play the text if they don't play the text or if they play the text and they don't know how to use them um, Mew is, you know, it's not great, but it's certainly manageable. It's decent. And especially with the Mew decks not playing cross switcher anymore, you're a little more able to navigate that matchup in ways that you weren't before. And then you have things like Vika Volt, which is fine, um, annoying, but fine. You certainly can lose that matchup. But um, if you draw all right, you can win. And then same with Eternatus, if you draw all right, you have a shot there. So that's kind of the thought uh, with Reggie. You take a lot of these, you know, even matchups, but uh, I was really, really thinking about that earlier in the week. Should I just <laughs> jump the Mew train, jump the Lugia train? Because those are the two decks that I feel most comfortable with. Should I just jump those and hit up Reggie? <laughs> Honestly... I would probably play Reggie if I was going to Fort Wayne, and here's my logic. More than anything, I just I don't want to play Mew. That's like off the table for me after yeah. my experience in Charlotte and yeah. and Toronto. Actually, both of the tournaments where I whiffed this season were with Mew. Um, so I'm a hundred, hundred. I'm shooting a hundred with Lugia, and I'm shooting like fifty with Mew, um, or sixty with Mew, or something like that. So like trying to maybe broaden my horizon play something different um and so reggie is something different reggie's a lot of fun it's the deck i enjoy if i'm gonna play like a couple ladder games reggie's yep. the deck that i'm sleeving for sure yep. mm -hmm. um i've always been a reggie advocate even before it was like actually genuinely good i was a reggie advocate and it's just a palate cleanser man after playing this format for so so long since november we've been playing this format basically uh with crowns and it's like really not overly impacting the format um just having something like different and fun to play mm -hmm. seems so appealing to me and reggie's a deck where if i went so you know going four three with mew yeah like i just hate myself if i went four three with reggie like yeah whatever i'll play reggie i'm having a good time i'm accelerating my aurora energy like it's all good yeah, it's so sick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. like so it's just like i don't know it's a feels good like i would feel good playing reggie in a way that i wouldn't if i played some of these other like top meta decks you know yeah very interesting <laughs> and i think it's actually genuinely decent like i think the eternus matchup is pretty navigable um Charlie did a great job demonstrating, you know, how to go about it. And he honestly had a really good shot of winning in the finals. So that's an important factor there. And it has like decent matchups against the rest of the field. You know, it's nothing mind blowing, but Gudra seems to be less popular because Arc Dura is getting more and more popular. 
I would say Reggie is a serviceable arc Dura matchup. And it's, you know, pretty good across the board. You know, it's got a decent Lugia. It's got a decent Lost Box. Can't really go too wrong with it. Yeah. I, do you feel like it's too run hot in the sense that you're really just looking to hit, you know, Aurora's early, and if you don't do that, then the deck kind of falters. Like, do you feel that it's too much of a glass cannon when compared to some of these other decks? Um, not necessarily. I mean, ultimately, you have to run hot to do well at a tournament. The One of my problems with Mew, actually, is, especially post-Lugia, Mew is really hoping on your opponent's kind of whiffing, uh, right? Like, you're hoping your Lugia opponents get stunned for a turn off your judge especially if you go second you're hoping that the lost box players eventually get stunned by a judge or a roxanne um and is that really fundamentally different than just running hot with your own deck like trying to is bricking your opponent fundamentally that different than just running hot in that case and i don't think actually it is so i don't actually see like a huge fundamental barrier between mew and reggie's in that in that regard at least right interesting do you think that there would be other decks that you would consider we talked a little bit about reggie but i mean lugia right mew you're saying maybe is off the table it's not off the table yet because it's still um, a comfort pick for me there were four in the top 16 one in the top eight but four in the top 16 so i had a a a really solid showing i feel like in charlotte despite your experience it was a very highly played deck that, frankly, performed, uh, at least in America. Like, this might have been one of its better tournaments. It so, probably was. Um, but also, like, I don't think Mew really benefits from the decks that did the best in top eight. Right. You know, right. like, if Eternatus stocks go up, I think Mew is hurt to, like, a similar degree as, um, as Lugia, <laughs> if not worse. Uh, so that's not super good. The Reggie matchup isn't like really something you're trying to hit. Like you can navigate it with lost cities, but you're really not trying to play Reggie's over the course of your tournament. Um, and like the Vika Volt decks with the Drapion aren't super comfortable. So yeah, I don't know. Like I just, my problem with Mew, I guess is like, what am I trying to hit? And I can't really think of anything. Gudra. Probably Gudra. Okay. I, I don't really think you're going to play many Gudras. I think realistically you're trying right. to hit like Arcdura, which there yeah. was a lot of Arcdura in Charlotte. Um, but I don't think like you can bank your tournament on hitting a bunch of Arcdura, you know? Well, Lugia had historically been a favorable matchup for us. And with the inclusion of the aerodactyl i I just don't think it's good enough you know like i think lugia wins enough that it's like am i basing my whole deck around taking like a 55 45 (laughs) you really think it's 50 i see i would say it's closer to 70 30 maybe my opponents were just drawing the stones man but like i never got a stun off a off a judge or anything not one time the entire tournament did i stun them yeah well i just I don't think that's indicative of on the whole. I feel like that historically. But you from, understand. But do you understand? No, what I, I'm I do. I do. Like the comparison right, to Reggie right. in that way, because yeah. like ultimately, like stunning them is another way of of running hot. Right. <laughs> you sure. know, because you're banking them, not drawing what they need. 
sure yeah so like to some extent reggie feels almost better to me because if i if i just whiff what i need you know that's my bad i guess but like if my opponent draws what they need that just feels lame you know yeah. do you think that you know if you were to play and you have no stake in this so i think maybe you can even speak more freely um you know without kind of any uh, big pikachu like watching over me yeah, yeah right exactly um do you feel like the results of charlotte particularly having multiple alternatives in top eight are going to affect players deck choices in a significant way and then you also mentioned actually like the arceus duraladon being something like 10 percent of the meta like a just an absurdly high number compared to where it had been in the past um, do you feel like those decks success play into this next uh next tournament in fort wayne or should we see kind of a regression to the mean where it's you know back to okay lugia lost box mew and then a bunch of other stuff i think we'll probably see maybe a slight regression to the mean honestly i think at this point in the metagame that we're so far along with it that people are doing one of two things they're either branching out into something completely crazy and fun and interesting like you know alex shamansky playing Frostmoth. you have um, like all these different people playing Eternatus and Reggie. Um, I think that's one side of the fence. And then the other side is people just playing kind of whatever their comfort deck is, you know, whatever their favorite deck is rather. So for some people that's Dura, for some people that's Mew, for some people that's Lugia. Um, and that's going to like those two pools of people are going to make 90% of the tournament. And then that last 10% of the tournament is like people who are really like hardcore metagaming it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to choose between like their favorite Lost Box build or like their favorite Lugia build or whatever mm-hmm. uh, based on the response to the metagame. But I think actually in aggregate, most people are just probably circling the drain on what they're going to play even ahead of this tournament happening. Um, yeah. Because it, the tournament, the format's so played out that people just kind of want to get it over with. You know, they want to play what they want to play. Sure. Have some fun. Last ride. Yeah. And one of the best formats of all time. <laughs> so true, dude. <laughs> This one's going in the books. I hope. I can't even say it with a straight face, man. This one's going in the history books, for real. Yeah, I wish this was a world's format. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. Oh, it's all. It'll all be over soon enough. So true, and it's over as of recording this. It's over tomorrow on uh, TCG Live, at least TCGO, not so much. But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, that's cool. Today is the last day of TCGO being the primary client. No Scarlet and Violet in TCGO. So, we are all moving to TCG live. It'll be interesting. You already know our thoughts (laughs) on it. We're not going to belabor the TCG live thing. So, let's move on to... um, I, I don't know how to maybe even introduce this. A very touchy subject... Um, and one that has garnered a lot of attention both inside the Pokemon community and outside the Pokemon community. And that involves a player who was on stream, Makani Tran, who got into maybe either uh, a miscommunication or uh, you know, uh, possibly even a learning opportunity that was maybe mishandled uh, with a judge on his way to his stream match. Uh, Riley, can you kind of talk a little bit about 
you know, the setup of this situation that occurred in Charlotte. Yeah. So I'll kind of, I'll lay out what happened and then we can give some of the, the postmortem after. So I believe it was round five of Charlotte. Makani was selected to play on stream against Alex Shemansky. Makes sense. They've both been doing well over the course of this season. Seems like a fair enough feature match. I want to, So for those of you who have not been on stream before, part of the procedure now is you'll have a, a member of the judge staff who is sort of assisting with the stream. They'll come up to you and try and get some like basic information about you so they can talk about it on stream. You know, how do you pronounce your name? What are your pronouns? You know, how do you like to be referred to? Uh, what are some of your like noteworthy achievements that they should reference if they talk about that at all on stream? Um, they'll collect that information. They'll go back to the, the commentators, sort of pass that along, and then you'll get set up on the stage while that's happening. During that time frame, um, Makani was relatively nervous, at least in his own words. He was relatively nervous. He was playing against Alex. He was on stream. Being on stream can be quite nerve-wracking, especially um, if you've only done it, like, a handful of times. You know, it takes some takes some getting used to, especially with, like, the white noise and the stage and the crowd. Um, and so Makani, during the pronouns portion of that question, um, in his own admission, like, let out sort of a nervous chuckle of sorts. You know, I don't want to attribute what actually happened, but... Um, that was interpreted as sort of ill intent by the member of the judge staff. They had indicated like, hey, you know, I'm not binary. I don't really appreciate you laughing in response to this question. And that was kind of that in the moment. And then after, I believe it was game one of the stream, Makani was then pulled down by the judge staff and told that he was going to be disqualified due to like not respecting the spirit of the game and inclusivity and that he would have to, to leave. And obviously that was an upsetting moment for him, especially, um, you know, he's, he's relatively young. He, so especially like the travel costs are particularly significant to, to someone who's younger. Uh, in addition, just like kind of the heart-wrenching experience of being disqualified without really being able to, to give your side of the story there. You know, it was just kind of behind the scenes, they made the decision without consulting anybody else, as far as we know. So that was posted to Twitter and you know, obviously things kind of escalated from there. If, I don't know if you want to take the reins further or if we want to just start talking. Yeah, it it definitely blew up from there. It garnered a lot of attention on Twitter and from some, I would say, bad faith actors yeah. historically. Uh, most notably uh, the more VGC, but uh, also, you know, just Pokemon um, YouTuber Verlicify. Yeah, who is a I don't watch much of their stuff, but they're definitely like the drama stirrer kind of toxic um, personality looking for the next cheating scandal or the next, um, you know, hot topic. They're to like the of... keem star of Pokemon. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> Always looking for that new hot story that gets people riled up and certainly uh they had a hand in blowing up this story and just um you know makani's own uh, words and admissions and uh alex's his, his opponent's statement on the uh you know saying that well this maybe was not 
handle like should they have been disqualified and and alex said no that he didn't think that it was a dequeuable uh, infraction maybe a learning opportunity maybe you take them aside and say hey you know this is um really important to you know m you know that judge obviously said something to him but um be able to say hey you know would you uh like to say you're sorry and you know kind of make this an opportunity for right uh makani to make amends in the moment instead of just kind of escalating to the point that they did right yeah i mean the whole the whole situation there's just so many so many problems at hand you know both from the initial story like there's so many things that went wrong along the way there to where we are now <laughs> so obviously like Rosef i sort of amplified the story there um you know he's not an incredibly large platform but it still gets attention and traffic right so if makani's tweet got 150 200 300 likes you know maybe it made a couple thousand impressions on twitter you know, Verlisify made two videos that maybe even three that like collectively now have around 20,000 views, I think. Um, so is it an incredible amount? No, but it's an amount that starts to reach outside of the core community, <laughs> which is where things start to blow up. You know, Fox News recently reported on the story um, and, and directly name dropped several people, including Alex Shemansky, um, who has in response, of course, put his Twitter on private to avoid being harassed. And it's just like, this whole situation is just not right for anybody. And the problem is exacerbated further mm -hmm. because Pokemon's policy, like explicitly forbids people from like talking about like of the staff from talking yes. about the yes. penalties. So yeah. like, not only is there just no transparency, it's just not even like allowed. <laughs> you the know? idea there from Pokemon's perspective is to prevent these situations from getting too out of hand and protect judges. But I think the policy of no comment really, I mean, in this situation, and I, I think in a few others regarding some specific judge rulings has hurt them Yeah. to the point that a judge can't defend themselves. Um, there's no, like you said, transparency from the company about why players are being disqualified. Uh, it seems kind of, you know, from the outside looking in, unfair. Again, I wasn't there, and I, you know, don't have any firsthand account of what happened. But uh, just from the bits and pieces that we're able to parse together, just seems like a very unjust and unfair disqualification for something that is, you know, it, it's very important, but it's not necessarily like a, uh, you know, the pronoun usage and, and Makani's handling of, of, you know, his reaction, I guess. Um, it's not something that's maybe right. as mainstream as certain people would think. Well, um, I think also like, it's just like when you get asked that question, if you're not used to getting asked that question, you know, your identity is so ingrained in who you are that I, you know, certainly like a young kid, I say kid, seven, a 17 year old getting kid. asked that question no. when their identity is so much like, you know, of course I'm this well, pronoun, you know? And I right? think like, it's like, it goes like further than that too. It's just kind of a disarming opinion, question. Right. Is I, I agree with your points, but I think there's like almost multiple layers to the problems as well. Like first off, yeah, totally a DQ is, is overstepping the bounds there, at least by Makani's account and Alex's account of, of what happened, that seems like an overstep of really what should have been done in that situation. You know, especially for a, a young person, like how you have an opportunity to like talk to them frankly about 
what the impact of like their actions are and that was completely disregarded um and Makani was like upset visibly upset at the venue and was basically escorted out you know which yeah. seems so insane to me um in addition to that um there's a distinct difference i think between sort of being disarmed and nervous and laughing at the question versus you know for example outwardly like misgendering someone right sure. like sure. if makani had a, an opponent who was non-binary or transgender and was actively using the wrong pronouns every point possible throughout their game like that to in me, a malicious way right, right like that to me could be a grounds for a disqualification um in the spirit of that rule but i think what makani did as described is is not i think another important point that, and i call i i said this to several of my my friends like as soon as this came is when we take like these kinds of extreme actions for in lieu of sort of learning opportunities, it ultimately like damages the people that we're trying to protect in a way. And what I mean by that is, you know, now this story has been amplified by Fox News. Now this story is being seen by, you know, people who really despise non-binary and transgender people. And that's the vitriol is being directed now at the Pokemon community and making it a less safe place for those people to inhabit. Right. I, I've seen several of my friends who are non-binary have commented that they feel less safe now in the Pokemon community than they did prior to this happening. And so we had the unintended outcome of amplifying the wrong kinds of voices. And Makani has even seen this in his own like tweets. He's seen like really hateful, like vitriolic responses, which he did not ask for either. And he's been pretty staunchly against all of this. Um and it's just, it, I feel for everyone involved and affected by this, right? I feel for um, non-binary transgender communities who are now having to deal with this outpouring of hate. I feel for Makani, who is just ultimately like kind of a victim in all this and didn't ask for any of this and now has so much of this coming his way. I feel for the Shemanskis who have been doxxed, the judge who has been doxxed and uh, is now kind of having their life torn apart by random people it's just it's a complete disaster and i think it kind of falls on pokemon to to not let stuff like this happen in the first place yeah and to try to rectify it to the extent that they can i think a good next step is you know obviously uh, maybe a, a more defined policy regarding yeah. equality diversity and inclusion um and then potentially rethinking how they handle judge rulings in the future in terms of, um, you know, public statements if needed. Yeah. I've always thought that like DQs should be accompanied by public statements following every tournament. Um, you know, I think magic does something similar. Sure. And I think even anything would be better than the nothing that we have right now. And it's just snowballed like so far out of control at this point. No, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the community at large for responding in a hateful way. And I'm disappointed at Pokemon for like not taking the reins of the situation. Yeah. It's, um, it's frustrating on all accounts. I think these policies are put in place to safeguard minority communities. And this did just the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. So, 
And let this be known, like, tag team stands with all minority communities. We want you all to feel safe and welcome in the Pokemon space. And if any of you who are listening to this, like, feel at all to the contrary, like, please take some time to either educate yourself or make your exit from the community because we we want this to be a safe space and the takeaway from Makani's situation should not be the contrary. Yeah, totally. So that all said, um, I hope that we can continue to sort of grow, move on, get past this. And I hope Pokemon like takes notes of what happens (laughs) as a result of this. Yeah. Maybe it looks to improve. Yeah, absolutely. Cause there's, there's going to be mistakes um, that, that happened. I I really do think again with the accounts of, of both players that uh, this was just an honest uh, honest mistake nothing no harm intended certainly yeah. uh, from this and so to see it spiral in such a way is, is um, you know tragic in some senses again like you said with with the doxing of <laughs> some people involved with the uh, just the the comments and the the echo chambers that this is getting poured into it it's really fascinating in some ways but tragic in in many yeah i don't want to like belabor the point i think i think we've made our our stance quite clear um and again you know feel for everybody involved in this and i think that kind of rounds us out for this week sure does riley yeah wow (laughs) what a week what a week to end it on what a week to end this crown zenith format on thank you all so much for joining us on this ride riley you're going to be out the next couple of weeks so i got to figure out (laughs) what's going to happen on the podcast um but i'm sure i'll come up with something great so thank you guys all so much for listening if you'd like to get more plugged in to the tag team ecosystem you can head on over to twitter tag team pokemon is the twitter handle of the podcast riley has a twitter at smiles with riles and i also I unfortunately have a Twitter as well at real John Walter. We stream the podcast live every single Wednesday at 9 30 PM Eastern time over at twitch.tv slash Munner. I myself also have a Twitch where I stream a couple days a week, twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous. Make sure you get following us on all those platforms, especially Twitter. So when Elon Musk flips the for you page off, (laughs) you want us to still be there. So follow us. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, we appreciate all of you who listen and support the show. It's always a a great experience to, to meet you all at events. So feel free and empowered to, to come say hello. And we look forward to catching you next time. Peace. See you.